Hey guys, Michael Koulianos here. Just coming off an amazing night with our Upper Room family Sunday night. What a special time in God's presence. It was such an honor to serve the Lord and serve you all. Uh, this message is called Jesus. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is turning his church back to the simplicity and the beauty of Jesus. Why don't you close your eyes right where you are. Just become very aware of him. Jesus, tonight we've come to glorify you and to love you. Knowing you have good things in store, but at the same time having no idea what you'll do. So Holy Spirit, carry us tonight and magnify Jesus and touch me and touch Michael and touch the leadership and touch this house and touch the nations watching. Don't leave us the same. Gosh, does anyone feel that? Don't leave us the same, Lord. Don't, don't do it. And help us give you what you want tonight. Touch us deeply. Look at those end, unending markings, those deep touches that carry us for decades. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd feel more real to everyone in this room than the person next to them, than the shirt on our back. And I pray that such an insatiable love for Jesus would be imparted here tonight. That we just don't ever recover because we don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to recover. We don't want to be normal. We don't want to check the box. We want you to possess us and even change our countenance and make us like you. Make us like you. Lord, let this be one of those services where, where we yield, where we don't miss you, where we're aware of the most gentle shift and the most gentle breeze. How we long to yield to the Holy Spirit. And so you're our teacher. Lead us tonight. Lead us tonight and trust us with your manifest presence. In Jesus' name, amen. you believe that? Is that your heart cry? Now, would you seal that with praise, with just a sacrificial praise? Seal that can be seated. Feels really wonderful here. <laughs> Thank you, David. Hey, upper room. Good to be with family tonight. I love you guys. And uh, just want to take a moment and thank, I know Larissa's not here, but thank Michael Miller. What an amazing, precious, godly pastor you have. I love him so much. When things get uh, really hairy in life, I call Michael Miller.
just have so much honor and respect for he and Larissa. And uh, this place hasn't changed at all. And that's a, that's a testimony. I first came to Upper Room 10 years ago. And I walk in. Uh, I walked in tonight feeling the Lord and hungry for a touch from God myself. I, there are a couple of places where I go where I feel like I'm on assignment to preach. There are like one or two places I go where I go and I say, Lord, you've got to touch me there. And this is one of those. So I love them so much. I have so much honor for them. I know their heart for the Lord and their heart for you. And uh, godly shepherds are... Uh, I pray that this isn't the case in the years to come, but right now they're becoming more rare and more rare. And may that change, amen? May it change. But uh, the Bible says that they're worthy of double honor. And I just love you guys so much. And thank you for trusting me to be here. My life's been touched here time and time again. And uh, we just feel such a connection on a family level and Jesus' image in upper room. Our... Uh, <laughs> People are like, I'm going to visit Jesus' image and I'm going up a room. I mean, it's kind of like one sentence now. And uh, it's, uh, it's an honor. It's an honor to be so connected to you all. I love the leadership. I love, this. I love so many of you. The flocks are here. I love you guys so much. In fact, Heath serves on our board uh, as well at Jesus' image. So I love you guys. Thank you for having me. Can we just take a moment and honor Michael and Larissa for just an incredible... I've also got, um, that's my brother-in-law David's here. He was just playing keys. He's married to my <laughs> wife's youngest sister. Uh, the Teskies are here. Pastor Paul and Rivers, would you stand? Pastor Paul and Rivers are mighty servants of God. I serve on my board. And uh, good to see so many of y'all. Joel, good to see you're behaving, finally. Holy Spirit, speak to us and touch us. And let this be even better than some of those old meetings we've had here. The messy ones. <laughs> the ones that uh, require explanation, but we don't have one. Just touch us, Lord. Just destroy our dignity tonight. And whatever you need to do in us, do it. You gotta give them permission. So whatever you need to do in us, do it. In Jesus' name. I always knew Michael was a strong discipler until I, I, it went up a few notches. I heard like four other people whistling. <laughs> Which is interesting. <laughs> there we go. That's his marker right there. Let me just begin. Uh, we're going to try to get to Luke 24 tonight if we can. But let me begin by saying a few things. Uh, one is we only get one shot at this thing called being like Jesus. We get one opportunity. And the measure of uh, glory, the measure of presence that God entrusts us with in this lifetime is going to determine 
so much of our eternity. And what I, what I would like to blow up tonight is that uh, seeking Jesus and living a holy life is not religious legalism. It's the Christian life. So saintliness, holiness is the point. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, this feels so similar to back home. We have so many millennials and Gen Z, radical loving, Jesus loving followers of Jesus who are going after him with all they are. And it's actually provoking Jessica and I, keeping us younger in some ways and also expediting the, or I should say, uh, speeding up the uh, aging process as well. I <laughs> discovered that 18-year-olds still make interesting decisions just like I did at 18. <laughs> I, I, I look back at my life and I've had the opportunity of being around people who met God, like really met Him. People who had bona fide experiences with the Lord, who really carried his power and presence. And, and they're still there, but they're, they're dying off. And I believe the Lord has a company of people that are emerging, but there are absolutely no shortcuts to the glory of Jesus. Now, his power can come on you in a moment, but becoming like Jesus is a slow drip. Becoming like him. You say, well, I am like him. I, I get that. I get the positional reality of it, but to not step into the experience is to waste the position and not value it. So claiming positional reality to justify lukewarmness is a slap in the Lord's face. It's to waste his blood. It's to waste the amazing sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And if we realized that we can have as much of Jesus as we long for, 24 hours a day, it would literally keep us up at night because it's kept me up at night. I... <laughs> When we had our first child, I, I remember, uh, he's 16 now, but uh, I discovered when he was born, actually when he came out, I, I, asked the, I asked my mom, I go, as he's coming out, I go, Ma, are they a lot of work? <laughs> and she laughed, she goes, you'll see, they're a lot of work. And then like three months in, I discovered I could no longer go where I wanted to go, when I wanted to go, stay up when I wanted to stay up, get up when I wanted to get up, do what I wanted to do. And one night I just got in a car and drove, I was living in Southern California, I just drove and started screaming at the top of my lungs to vent with nobody in the car with me. And so finally about six months in, he started sleeping until 6 a.m., which felt like sleeping in at the time. And... Uh, when he started sleeping until six, the Lord started waking me up at three. <laughs> and I remember asking the Lord, Lord, uh, it's three. <laughs> and, 
I love it when we uh, think we're informing him. It's hilarious. Sometimes when we're preaching, we think the Lord's learning. I've actually go, I've heard the Lord say to me, stop preaching. I want to do something in the room. And I go, but I'm doing good. And then he whispered in my heart, I'm not learning anything. What I want to do is come in and storm the room. Could you get out of the way for just a moment? And so when I told him it was, it, it was early, he said, I know, but I've been waiting for you all night. And there's this side of Jesus that uh, I want this generation to discover, this soft, lowly side, this broken, humble side. I'm concerned with a lot of the rhetoric that's right in principle, but, but wrong in heart and wrong in tone. And it's, it's you will do what we do and you will live like we live because we are gonna overpower you with our volume and crush you if you disagree with us. And that goes for all realms, whether it's education, media, politics, whatever. It's our volume over yours. And we call it kingdom advancement. That we are a kingdom people occupying all realms. The question is, how did the king occupy? What is God really like? And how do I discover what the Father is really like? Who is the God we serve? There is certainly a reformation going on in the church right now. The Holy Spirit is bringing the church back to Jesus. Sometimes I think we think Jesus is like Thor. You know, he's this superhero who, who uh, crushes anyone who gets in his way. And he is all powerful, but the question is, what does power look like in God's eyes? And what does greatness look like in God's eyes? Uh, as Bill, Bill would say, God hasn't taken away our desire to be great. He's just redefined it. What is greatness from a Christian perspective. Well, let, let me go even deeper. What is the Christian faith? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus a way to a better America? Is he a way to a better business? Is, here's one, is Jesus a bridge to revival? Right? It's, if it's my encounter with Jesus gonna make our songs at Jesus' image go to the world? Is Jesus part of a bigger plan? Is he a part of this journey? Is Jesus a part of the kingdom? Is, is, is he like an employee who works for our dreams?
I've watched people seek Jesus to have revival. Not understanding that Jesus himself is revival and a million times more. Do you know uh, that Jesus doesn't even live in eternity? Eternity dwells in Jesus. See, we have a, we're having a, a vision issue. We're not seeing him rightly. We're not seeing his magnitude. We're not seeing his greatness, and we don't know what the Father deems as being great. And forcing our enemies to be crushed under our obsessions and forcing them to bow our knee is not greatness. To bow their knee is not greatness in the eyes of God. And what I'd like tonight to do is to allow the scriptures, not our opinions, to define greatness. Jesus, according to Hebrews 1, well actually let's, let's go there. Looks like Luke 24 is not happening. Your vision of Jesus will determine your life. How you see him, listen to me, it will determine your entire life. How you view him, who he is to you, will literally structure your entire being. And so Hebrews 1 says this in verse 1, long ago, I have the ESV version, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, speaking of the Old Testament prophets. But in these last days, say, I'm living in the last days. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So the father has this message, it's called son. And the father has a language that he speaks. It's called son. We speak English, the father speaks son. And Jesus speaks spirit. He said, my words are spirit and they are life. And what this verse is saying, and I'm gonna keep reading here in a moment, but this verse is saying that Jesus is the father's sermon. He is the father's speaking. He's the only subject the Father wants to discuss, his one and only begotten Son. And what I'd like to submit tonight to you, as meekly as I know, but as clearly as I know, is that if we can talk about everything but Jesus, we are talking about nothing. We can tackle every kingdom issue, but if we don't know his heart, we have failed. If we can't clearly articulate Christ crucified, we need to sit down, retire, and learn the gospel. These last days he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So he is both heir and creator, Jesus is. Verse three, he is the radiance of the glory of God. And the New King James says, the express image 
of his being or the exact imprint of his nature. In other words, Jesus is the perfect expression of God. To know the Father, look at Jesus. To know the Spirit, look at Jesus. This word God here isn't limiting, the word isn't limiting this description to the Father. He's also saying Jesus perfectly portrays who God is. Jesus was fully led by the Spirit, fully yielded by the Spirit, and that's why Jesus said to his disciples, speaking of the coming of the Spirit, he says, you know him for he's with you. Why did he say that? Because he was lathered and possessed by the Spirit. In other words, I'm with you, so you know the Spirit because the Spirit is in me and all over me. So if you're wondering, what is the Father like? Look to Jesus. If you're wondering, what is the Spirit like? Look to Jesus. He's the exact imprint, the perfect expression of God. Listen to me. If somebody says, what is the Lord like? You instantly point them to Jesus. He is like this. He is the Lord. When we say that we must confess that Jesus is Lord, that is not a mere way of just getting to heaven. It is, it is the declaration that Jesus himself is Jehovah. He's the Lord. It doesn't mean he's my leader, my supreme leader. It does mean that, but that's not exactly what that means. It's even higher than that. He is Jehovah. Jesus is the uncreated God, and he is perfect in all his ways. Oh, I'm getting excited. He should excite you. He should make you want to punch your neighbor, hit them, bite them. That should happen in you. You should start getting like short-circuited. That's what the disciples said. Did our hearts not burn within us when he opened the scriptures? He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He didn't only create the universe, he keeps it. So that if the earth moves a mile further from the sun, we freeze. If we move a mile closer, we fry. And he holds it all together. He made it and he holds it by the word of his power, by his speaking. Do you realize the power of what I'm reading to you tonight? The scriptures, the word of God, literally hold the universe in place. God can do anything in your life tonight. Anything. After making purification for, the, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. This is priestly talk. This is the writer of Hebrews separating Jesus from anybody else who ever served the Father because at no time could a priest sit in the tabernacle. But this one who has completed all things and finished his course only he can sit down. There's no one like him. I said there's no one like him. There's no message like the message of Jesus. When you talk about him, he comes. Because he's got ears. He can hear me right now. Do you get that? He's listening. Jesus is listening to me talk to you. And he likes it when we talk about him. And he's not just listening to me from heaven. By the Spirit, he is right here. Gosh. 
He's right here listening, right here watching. That's how you do church. When you live with that reality, it will mess you up. I mean bad, really bad. You won't ever recover. You won't know how to change the dial and people will think you're nuts. And you'll think that when you change it, you backslidden. I'm telling you, if two men go in and meet with God, if they meet Jesus, two men leave talking about Jesus. If he touches their hearts, he comes out of their mouth. It's from the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. If you want to know what somebody's all about, listen to them talk. <laughs> and that will annoy people until he touches them. Then it fries them. So if he's all things, why change the dial? That means to change the subject, I'm, I'm going down, not a notch, miles. And the church has discovered how to talk about every issue, but they can't articulate him. That's a great failure. Let me, let me say very clearly, you should vote according to the scriptures. You should treat your spouse according to the scriptures. Of course you should. But let's be really clear. You can vote correctly and go to hell. No? Oh, you don't think so? If you don't, we have a big problem. I'm going to stay here for a week. You can, do, you, you can be perfect on the social issues and still go to hell. And, 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 and what... I was telling Miller the other day on the golf course. <laughs> hey, it's biblical. It's green pastures. All right. <laughs> well, I won't say it. No, I love you too much. He's more acquainted with the still waters on the golf course. I, I, I'm more acquainted. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. Revis, Revis, Revis. I should have pointed at Rev. You actually hit it beautifully. Rev is. We were talking about this. And I don't know how to have the one thing without having one passion. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to possess the one thing, him, and have six desires when I'm with him. I don't know how to do church that way. I don't know how to be about 12 things and have the one thing. Do you know why the house of God is a house of prayer? Because it's his house. We always bunny hop that portion. My house shall be called a house of prayer. So we start with house of prayer. The only way it becomes a house of prayer is if it's his. And if it's his, that means he lives in it. And if he lives in it, he does what he wants. We work for him. He doesn't join our team. You don't get to hire Jesus. He doesn't join the leadership team. He's not going to be an elder. And the only reason we all say we welcome you, it's not because he's not here. It's because we want him to be himself because he's chosen to partner with our desires. What I want to communicate tonight, what I believe the Lord wants to communicate tonight, 
is that if we possess everything that seems right and don't have his touch, what a failure. What a failure. So the New King James says it like this. He is the very, in Hebrews 1, he is the very brightness of his glory. That means Jesus is the apex of the apex. He's not just the glory. He's the very brightness. He's the shiniest part of the glory of God. Jesus himself. We have to see him rightly. That's a, an eternal journey. Would you turn to Genesis 3? You don't mind if I read a lot of scripture in church, huh? Am I allowed? I enjoy breaking rules. I don't know how that became a rule. Not too many verses in the house of God, but somehow it did. Let's slay that Goliath tonight. It's just Mark Genesis 3, 1. Um, about a month ago, or maybe, yeah, a month ago, we, we held our first pastor's conference in Orlando, and a good number of the team came from Upper Room. Couldn't you see you slower? And, uh, the last night, I took the platform and I just, I felt the Lord, this gentle touch, say, uh, tell the people to sing in the spirit. And so, we started singing in the spirit and uh, had the choir behind us, the choir started singing. And about 45 seconds in, I felt the Lord come really close. Then like two minutes in, he came in a way that uh, I've never known. I haven't ever experienced anything like that corporately, ever. I, I, I grew up in crusades, charged, glorious crusades. My father-in-law is Benny Hinn, and I've seen miracle after miracle, and and been in glorious worship since I was a 12-year-old boy. We've hosted some amazing moments in worship. I've been in amazing moments all over the world. But something happened that night that I've never known, I've never seen. I've never had that vantage point. I've literally felt the Lord's presence so close on the platform that I felt like I wasn't needed on it. So I ran behind the cellist and the... Uh, violinist because I felt like the Lord likes the strings as the scripture says I felt like that was a safe place to hide so I was like I'm gonna hide behind them so uh I went back there and that glory was just intensifying and then all of a sudden I don't know how to explain it Miller was there Pastor Paul was there I think J. Lou was there Slover every hand it seemed and like with like 2,000 people every 
heart, every face went up. And they started exploding in the most authentic Holy Spirit reaction of praise I have ever witnessed and sustained it for 20 straight minutes and went up an octave after an octave after an octave until our skin felt like it was going to melt off. I looked back behind me. Our musicians were done. The choir members were screaming for their lives in the most beautiful way. Our keyboardist was sobbing. The, the girl, uh, Courtney, playing cello was screaming at the top of her lungs, sobbing. We're all done. Miller had left the room, I think, to go to the restroom prior. Is that right? And then he comes back in. I might be getting the story wrong. Comes back in and hits the ground. Uh, the girl who directs for us, she got touched by the Lord and couldn't look at the screen because she was out. And all she could do is speak in tongues. So she's trying to direct camera shots from the TV room without seeing the monitor. And so she's speaking in tongues going, go to seven, go to eight, back to two. <laughs> so she's in a full-blown encounter with the Lord. After the meeting, Jesse, my wife, she, she watched the footage. She goes, how did we do that? that? Those camera shots were insane. And she goes, so Jess asked her. She said, her name's Marina. She said, Marina, how'd you do that? She goes, I was in an encounter with the Lord. I wasn't even looking at the monitor. I've never seen like the Lord fall in different rooms, buildings, throughout the premises and possess a people in a second like that. It was as if the Holy Spirit knew Jesus was about to walk in the room and he was ensuring that the king of glory would get the praise he's due. Like he wasn't going to like in a way leave it to us because he knows his value. And that night marked me. I, I'm not the same. I haven't recovered. And the, the only way I can explain it is that I feel like he's looking at me constantly. Like the Lord himself is like, I'm watching you. Not in a mean way, but I feel his presence. I feel his attention. And I feel like he's watching what I do and why I do it. He's challenging the depths of my motives. I feel like he can hear me because he can't. And Miller and I were talking about this on the golf course. I said, Miller, I, I haven't recovered I'm just aware that the Lord is there watching me. And I always dreamed about that. I wanted Jesus to be more real to me than anything or anyone. And I have a long way to go. But I want to invite you in tonight. I want to invite you in. There is no other reason to live. The devil is after houses of worship. I don't, I'm not just saying incorporated churches. I mean houses like this. He's after them. He's after that bridal company. He's after pure worship. He wants to mix it up and pollute it. One of the things I love about Upper Room is that their worship team actually sits and listens to the word. But that's not the case in a lot of places. 
It is impossible to lead people in worship into God's glory and not have the scriptures dwell richly within you. You cannot do it. The scriptures reveal his beauty and worship is a response to his worth and beauty. The two go hand in hand. I'll never forget in the early days of Jesus' image, the Lord whispered to my heart, if the devil knows you'll never become a Judas, he will settle for a Martha. He'll make the trade. He'll broker the deal. Do you realize what Marys do? Are, are you listening by the Spirit tonight? Do you realize what Marys do to the heart of God? Do you realize what they reveal in the house? What Mary means, what that type of worship means to the heart of Jesus himself? God uses her to provoke and reveal the foxes in the vineyard. This, if this is flying above, just grab the, watch it on YouTube or whatever and take it in your prayer closet and the Lord will give it to you. But God only accepts what God himself does. I hear a lot of people I love say, I'm here to make Jesus famous. <laughs> it's so funny. You're going to, you. <laughs> Hold on. Say that again. You're going to make Jesus Christ famous? <laughs> Have you not heard of BC and AD? That's, that means you're famous. How about Christmas? And Easter? How, you're gonna, how are you going to make him famous? You're going to post about him? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> you think that's really what the Lord's after? You, you, making him famous. No. No, he wants to marry you. That's what he's after. You don't... I wonder what it's like in the throne room when he hears somebody go, I'm going to make him famous. He's <laughs> he has thousands, ten thousands upon ten thousands surrounding him. It's famous. You know, Hark the Herald. That's famous. Oh, holy night. Famous. How great thou art. It's all about Jesus. What he really wants is us. Is this tracking? Yes. Us. He wants a head-on collision between the real you and the real him. Face to face, eye to eye, breath to breath. Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth. For your love is better than wine. This is what the Jesus people are like. I'm all about us raising our voice and speaking up on issues. But if you're gonna do that, you better wash feet. If you wanna be like him. All right, let me read this.
We all know what happened with Adam and Eve, right? We're good on there? Okay, good, because that way we don't have to read the first seven verses. They fell in the garden and covered themselves. We'll read about it here. It was the birth of Fruit of the Loom. This was the beginning of that company right here. They covered themselves in fig leaves. All right, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What did they eat from when they sinned? Say a tree. Where did they hide? In the trees. You'll always hide where you fall. And it's, it's a useless pursuit. Verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? How many of you think the Lord asked that question because he didn't know? No, for the first time, and only the Lord knows how many years, Adam missed his appointment. He missed the fellowship. And the Lord said, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you not eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The Gen Z and and millennials have been, uh, you guys have been thoroughly taught identity. And there's nothing wrong with that. The only time it becomes wrong is when it's severed from Jesus. So what we have in many cases is a generation who knows how to tell their friends and God who they are, but is unable to say who God is, which is proof that they're not living the identity they're quoting. Hyper self-awareness and self-identity is actually proof of the fall, not proof of fellowship. So being a son means I'm led of the spirit. I'm not led of my own being and identity. If you're better at talking about your position in Christ than Christ, you haven't reached the position. And what can happen is, is that's where the hyper grace thing just tried to hit the church, is it was so positional that it started to license sin. And it declared war on pursuit. And deemed love as being legalistic. And deemed reading your Bible as being law. And how bad can the law be if it was written by the finger of God? The law was the marriage agreement between the Lord and Israel. It was the marital contract. So he said, thou shalt not commit adultery, for instance. It was his way of telling Israel, I'll never cheat on you. Thou shalt not covet. He was, it was his way of saying, let me be your one thing. And this is what's happening here. How do you know you're naked? Why are you so aware of you? And then he says, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman. (laughs) Not much has changed. My wife did it. The woman, and then it blames the Lord. You gave her to me. All the marital counselors go, man, I hear that every time. She gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? Now she blames the serpent. Look, 
The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now I want you to hear this very, very carefully. Verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now listen carefully now. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Listen carefully. He, Jesus, shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. Please just have a look at me. Here God introduces his method of destroying evil through his son's bruising. God says here, I'm going to destroy death with death. I'm going to destroy pride with lowliness. Only Jesus is so majestic that he can plunder the devil with his own bruising. That is the antithesis of how many of us see kingdom. We see kingdom as conquest and dominion. Fine, but what is the method by which that is accomplished? Dying. Dying. In God's kingdom, you move forward through bruising. Only God can be so wonderful that his son hanging naked on the tree, being nailed to it and dying, only God could craft such a story and allow his son who is hanging naked on the tree to plunder death. And so the early church wrote this psalm. It's in one of the early church worship services. By death you have trampled death. I want to introduce to you tonight the beauty of Christ crucified. Somebody we are quickly becoming less and less acquainted with in Christian circles. The lowly one who comes to die. That is God and that is greatness. Greatness is Calvary. Greatness is the cross. You say, no, it's the resurrection. Of course it is, but when Jesus is raised, he keeps his wounds. The scars of Jesus, the holes are still there. So when we sing about this beautiful man who's seated at the right hand of the Father, let us remember there's a hole in his side, holes in his hands, and holes in his feet, and God the Father kept them when he raised his son, because that, friends, is greatness. We are the dying ones. Oh, gosh, I wish you could get it. I know some of you are, but I want you all to get it. See, you don't want to hear this because you want to jump around on platforms with lights, which is all right, but eventually you got to get to the faith. Eventually, if you want to write beautifully, if you want songs that move heaven, 
write the songs that the Father is obsessed with. The cross is the story. This is the first gospel, Genesis 3. That's the name of it. Proto, first, where we get proto, evangelion. That's what it's called, evangelist. The first declaration of the gospel, Genesis 3. And notice the first one to preach the gospel is the Lord. And this is where he starts. Somebody's coming to destroy you, devil, by dying. Christ crucified is the starting point of the faith. Are, are you tracking? So here's a loving question. How much do we know of the cross? How much do we know of the passion? How much do we know of the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth? How much do we actually know about the shedding of blood? How much do we know about his burial? Do we even know what that means to us? Because when, you when, you, when it comes time for you to pass, and this is coming to everybody, unless the Lord returns first, all of us are going there. So you might be listening to me going, I want some life application. Why are you talking to me about these basics? You're not gonna care about life application when you're about to breathe your last. You're gonna care about the security of your soul. And the most life application, the greatest life application you could ever hear is that Jesus died, was buried, and raised again. Because when you breathe your last in that moment, you realize that his resurrection is your resurrection. We're the saints who laugh at death. We laugh at death. Death is but a doorway. Death is our birthing. We smile in that moment. The Bible says, blessed are the death of the saints. You say, why are you talking about this? Because if you write this check, you won't be afraid of anything. You'll feel persecution because it's meant to be felt. <laughs> we need it. It, it, it. It's like a sand piece. It's like sandpaper that gets Michael off. It takes that callousness, that pompousness in me that needs to be recognized, that needs to be endorsed, and needs to be overly affirmed. And that persecution whittles me away. He softens my heart so that I'm more like him. Do you follow me? So that when I pray for the sick, it's not a notch on my cap. I can actually bleed inside and weep and feel it and still get the breakthrough like Jesus. That's what I'm after. We need that stuff. A lot of the stuff we rebuke is what we need. <laughs> Well, you can't rebuke the cross. You cannot rebuke the crucified life and stay on the road. You can't stay on the pathway. So the Lord introduces his son, yes, but how? By introducing him as the one who comes to die. And so now this makes sense to us. Is this okay tonight? Is it all right? This begins to make sense, these words now. He who loses his life will gain it. And now we see this beautiful dynamic that is Christian to the core. Every time I say no to Michael, he fills me with life. If I say no to Michael and yes to him, let's say I give him 10 pounds of my heart, he gives me a million pounds of his life. 
If I do that at 10 a.m. and again at 11 a.m., every time I yield and let the cross soften me and make me more like him, his reward is here's more of me. Jesus makes two statements and, uh, about him being lifted up. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. That has nothing to do with worship. Well, it does. Everything is worship. But it has nothing to do with the worship song. He's talking about the cross. If I be lifted up on the tree, I will draw all men unto myself. It's an interesting perspective. Because in the natural, it makes no sense at all. Why am I going to follow the one who's nailed to a tree, naked, skinned alive? Why would that draw all men? But then he says this, when I am lifted up, you will know that I am. Let me say that again. He says, when I am lifted up, you will know that I am. Or I am that I am. He didn't say that when he walked on water. He didn't say, when I walk on water, you'll know that I am. When I multiply bread for you and fish, you'll know that I am. He didn't even say, when I heal the sick, you'll know that I am. But he said, when I, am, when I die, you'll know I'm he. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ is the greatest representation of God that there is. Yeah, see, that's a confirmation. <laughs> Let me say it again in case you missed it. The cross of Jesus is the greatest representation of God. It's the greatest definition of God. He's the God who comes to lay his life down. That is as Christian as it gets. Of course he's healer. Of course he's deliverer. Of course he's provider. Of course he's friend. But God's starting point is, this is my son who is coming to crush the head of the devil through his bruising. So the next time somebody asks you, if there's a God, why is there suffering? The response would be, I don't know what God you're talking about. What, what do you think he is? A unicorn? Or a, some like fairy godmother? Do you get this? If you grab what I'm saying, when life hits you, you'll find glory in those moments. And it will hit you. It has to hit you. It's something about the Christian life. It makes absolutely no sense to the natural mind that you can go through hell and back and be so joyful inside. It just makes no sense. But it is joy unspeakable, full of glory, peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, let me land this, this plane here. Your vision of him, as I said earlier, will determine everything. 
Listen carefully. How do I see him more clearly? Who wants to? Put both hands up. I'm not talking about in the flesh. Lord, do it. I would love that. Anyone else? If Jesus wants to walk in this room that way, I'm leaving the pulpit very quickly. But Matthew 5, I don't want to turn there for the sake of time, but Matthew 5 says, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. This purity issue is massive because the lack of it obscures our vision. It obscures the vision of the bride. She cannot see him, therefore she cannot be like him, and she cannot experience him, and he cannot conform her into the image as quickly as he'd like to. This seeing of the Lord happens in a few ways. I want to touch on two because I would love to see all of you as upper room family make this part of your life so that daily your eyes open. In Luke 24, don't turn there. You just got to trust me. In Luke 24, they're walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is raised from the dead and disciples are walking to Emmaus a little village that means warm spring or bubbling up. As they're on their way, Jesus appears to them. And I love this about him. He says, what are you you guys doing? What are y'all talking about? And he knew what they were talking about, as I said earlier. And uh, they said, haven't you heard about the things that are going on? And he said, what things? (laughs) I wish I were there. What things? I love that about Jesus. He's so real. What, what, what things are you talking about? If he asks you a question, it's to show you that you know nothing. <laughs> not, not that he knows nothing. So they said, um, have you not heard that Jesus of Nazareth, a mighty prophet in deed and in work and power, that he was handed over to the Jews and, and died? They had an obscured vision. They didn't see him rightly. He was those things, but not only those things. He is God Almighty. They missed that part. And uh, when you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you can be dumber than you could ever imagine. And this is a perfect example. Without the Holy Spirit, humans have, disciples, have the ability to ask Jesus if he has ever heard of Jesus. That's what they did right there. Jesus walks up to them and they go, have you not heard of Jesus of Nazareth? Have you heard what's going on? And he just goes with it. To make them feel more dumb. (laughs) And so the Bible says that he begins, listen carefully, to open the scriptures to them. Open the scriptures. If you want to know Jesus, open your Bible. Now, listen to me. There is a difference between opening your Bible and him opening the word. He's still the only one who can open the book. He's still the seal breaker who opens the book and breaks the seal. You have to read your Bible with him. He's the only book opener. And so he takes the scriptures, and the Bible says he, I feel the Lord right now. I feel the Lord right now. The Bible says he he begins with Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets. That's what we call the Old Testament. And he points to the Old Testament text and says, should not the Christ to have suffered and then been glorified. Where does Jesus start? With his death. 
How does he start? Through the scriptures. Now remember, they don't know it's Jesus. That means they're blind. And the Bible says they did not know it was him because they had been blinded. In a sense, church is like that. The weak blinds us. Life blinds us. Stress blinds us. And our vision is clouded. We need to behold the Lord more clearly. We need to do it his way. Open your Bible, friends. Open your Bible and look for Jesus. Number two, after he points to his death, burial, and resurrection in the Bible, he says, I'm going to go on now because it's getting dark. And the disciples constrain him, the Bible says. They say, don't go. So tonight, we've been here for two and a half hours. And maybe in your natural mind, you want to go. But maybe 10 of you are saying, I want Jesus tonight, and I'm not going until he touches me. I'm not going. And that's what they did there. They said, no, no, don't go. It's almost dark. Sorry. Don't. I get excited. Don't go. It's almost dark. Come with us. Lodge with us. And that's what I pray almost daily at Jesus' image. Live with us. Live with us. Live with us. Live here. Live here. Come make your home here. Don't go. And so instantly Jesus goes, fine, I'll come with you. I wonder how, 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 how we could experience him if we would just ask him, please don't go. I'm not okay with your going. Stay right here. I don't know if they want you out there. We want you here. Stay here. And so he goes and breaks bread with them. And when he blesses the bread and breaks it, their eyes open and they say, that's Jesus. Okay, listen carefully. You go from being blind to beholding the Lord. If you break this, if you let him open the scriptures and break the body and blood of Jesus. Communion, I'm giving you something that will change your life. Communion and the word of God cause the blind to see. The church is more sick than she needs to be because she doesn't take enough communion. And she doesn't take it properly. David, would you jump up there, buddy? Thank you, Lord. Super soft, yeah. Actually, David, not yet, sorry. Just not yet, yeah. Wait there, yeah. I don't know who wants him really bad tonight, but I do. He's the supreme one. I, I, I've been in this room and encountered him. I, I, it's on that second row right there where that girl in that red sweatshirt is.
Not enough people want him. They're okay without him. They think they're okay, but they're not, but they think they are, and they, they're okay not being in fellowship. Are you okay not being in fellowship? I can't hear you. Are you okay? Who wants him? I mean, bad. Like, anybody really want the Lord? The Lord. I'm talking about the Lord. You young people, set the pace here. All y'all who were sitting up here earlier, don't you? Don't 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 ever get balanced. Don't let watchmen wound you. Don't let watchmen wound you. There's a girl back there in the dark curly hair. You have a white shirt on. Yeah. Uh, hey, Aaron, are you here? Smith, I saw you earlier. Aaron, you here? Still here? Is he out? Slover, could you go help me? Just put your hand on her shoulder. I want this thing to be raw tonight. Yep, her. Would you just close your eyes? I want you guys around her, just the girl next to her, keep your hand on her shoulder, but nobody else. Just stretch your hands. Everybody stretch your hands towards her. David, give me like a pad, like a sustained something. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let your presence become, what's your name? What is it? Naomi. Naomi. That's a beautiful name. Let your presence come upon Naomi right now and change her forever. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit fall upon her Awaken her soul tonight. The fire of God well up within her. Just everybody very softly just begin singing in the spirit. I mean soft. Just, just, a, just a hush. Lord Jesus, fill her. Fill her tonight to overflowing. Mark her. You hear every prayer. You hear every prayer. Let the fire of heaven consume her tonight. Sing in the spirit just very softly. Just close your eyes and sing in the spirit. Anyone here from the depths of your being? Anyone here willing to say, Don't go? 
Anybody here willing to constrain the Lord? Come with us. Lodge with us. Come and be with us. Lord, I know that's the cry of upper room. I'm going to cry it on their behalf. Come and be here. Be with us. Live here. Live here. This young girl right here, just close your eyes. The Lord's inviting you into the depths of prayer. And this journey just started for you. This, this prayer journey in the Lord. Sing in the Spirit. Come on, sing in the Spirit. It just started for you. Now the Lord's going to sweep you right off your feet. Father, anoint her tonight. Teach her to minister to you and move your heart. The blessed anointing of the Holy Spirit come. Clothe her. Clothe her. Clothe her. Behold, I make all things new. All things new. Every stain is gone. Your heart, your heart has to grab him. It's romantic. When he comes like this, your heart goes, I'm grabbing the hem of your garment. I'm grabbing the hem. Better is one day, one day in your courts, one day, just one day, one day than a thousand elsewhere. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven and just ask the Lord. There's some things preachers can't do for you. They'll usher you in, usher you to Jesus. But when you get there, you've got to ask. Pray, pray wild prayers. Ask him. Say, I want to be your best friend. I want to be the apple of your eye. Keep me there. I don't want to be like the rest. I don't want to be like the daughters of Jerusalem. I want to be like the Shulamite. These uh, girls here, lift your hands to the Lord. Just close your eyes. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let the blessed power of the Holy Spirit bring, uh, come up here, girls. Come up here. Come up here. Sing in the spirit, real soft. Could you just get on your knees? Father, let your presence rest on them. Rest on them. See, when you sing in the spirit, you're singing mysteries over this house. And, and there are places you can't go without those mysteries. Let your glory rest on them.
Just sing a little louder in the spirit. Let your presence come and rest on Keep singing, keep singing, keep singing. Yeah. singing in the spirit, keep singing in the spirit. Keep singing in the spirit, sing in the spirit, sing in the spirit. Holy, 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 holy. Come here, young man. Get on your knees here. Sing in the spirit. Fill the house with worship. The blessed glory of God rest on you. Y'all come together. Come, Father, anoint him. It's your brother. Anoint them with the fire of the Holy Ghost and let them never be the same. Teach them the ways of the Spirit. Show them Jesus. Don't stop singing. 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 Keep singing. Keep singing. The Holy Ghost carry you. Fill them with the Spirit tonight. Y'all keep singing. Y'all just don't stop. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Making melodies. Making melodies in your heart. Oh, don't stop singing, don't stop singing. Mm -hmm. The Lord has something fresh for you, Joel. Keep singing, y'all. Something fresh for you, Joel. I'm telling you, you it, when you worship, that anointing just starts to flow. Something fresh, something clear and beautiful. Fresh rain, fresh rain, fresh rain. The crooked path is it's straightening.